CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Black Label presents Heavy Montreal, the heaviest festival in Canada. Back for a 10th edition, two days of rock and metal. July 27th and 28th, outdoors at Parc Jean Drapeau. Witness Slayer perform their last show in Quebec ever. Performances by Ghost, Godsmack, Evanescence, Slash, Anthrax, Steel Panther, Kill Switch Engage, and many more. 40 bands playing four stages on a festival site that you have to see to believe. Festival passes are on sale now. Visit HeavyMontreal.com. Produced by Avenco. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome back. A little bonus episode here. Yeah, uh, I got a lot of interviews. I hadn't done any for a while, and then I did like, you know, eight of them. So <laughs> I got to get them out to you guys. We got Steve Lynch, an amazing guitar player. One of the first people to ever go to the Guitar Institute of Technology in Hollywood. He's going to tell us all about that. And uh, we got Doro, Doro Pesh. She's here too. Steve's been on the podcast before. Doro has not. So I always love these first timers. Here we are, 798 episodes in, and we are only just getting to Doro for the first time. At least I think. Sometimes I forget. But I'm fairly certain she has not been on the podcast because I, I, I know I would remember that. And uh, yeah, Steve Lynch, of course, of the band Autograph. We just heard, heard the song Loud and Clear. Remember that one from back in the day, guys? Yeah, Ozzy Osbourne and Vince Neil both in the music video for that one. That, again, is an autograph classic, which I hope to hear at M3, along with some of their new music. They got a great new album out. We're going to talk to a uh, you know, newer album. came out in 2017. We're going to talk to Steve Lynch about that, about guitar playing, about David Lee Roth, about Van Halen, about Ronnie James Dio, about Motley Crue, all sorts of fun stuff coming up on the podcast today. So if you hear a pounding in the back, that would be my son dribbling a basketball up above me. That It's just insane. The snow days, the half days that the kids have been having, it's like I, I feel like it's summer vacation again because they're always freaking home and it's driving me nuts. Ugh. Anyways, here we go. This is uh, this is a little autograph, new autograph, followed by my interview with Steve Lynch, the guitar player of Autograph, the mastermind, if you will, behind at least the contemporary version of the band. And I would say always one of the masterminds behind Autograph, you know, the classic Autograph, too. So here we go. A little brand new or somewhat new from 2017 autograph here on Talking Metal, followed by my interview with Steve Lynch. And then a little bit later, we're going to hear from Doro.
Hey, this is Mark Striegel from Talking Rock and Talking Metal, and what an honor to speak with the one and only Steve Lynch of the great band Autograph. So great to talk with you again, Steve. Great to talk with you again as well, Mark. Thanks for having me on. You bet. We just heard the song Every Generation off the Get Off Your Ass album, which came out in 2017. And I know the last time we spoke was in person at the M3 Festival, and that record was just about to drop. And I'm so psyched because it's official. You guys will be back at M3, the greatest American rock festival, and that's happening May 3rd, 4th, and 5th at the Meriwether Post Pavilion in Columbia, Maryland. I'll be back down there again this year. I hope we can hang out. And M3 is just a great time, isn't it, Steve? It's like the my most favorite festival to play and uh this will be our third time and really looking forward to it um we just had such a great time the other two times that we played there and uh we're all just really excited to be back again that's it's just a great venue to play absolutely and again that is the uh where the merryweather host pavilion in columbia maryland autograph will be there along with a lot of other great bands vince neal stephen adler will be doing a set of guns and roses vixen tora tora i mean the list goes on and on of course white snake so it's going to be a great great hang we hope all the talking metal listeners will join myself and steve at the at the festival and like i said i saw you guys there in 2017 and it was just a great performance and that was before the the I guess I'd call it newer album at this point, Get Off Your Ass, came out. And i got to tell you, I'm hoping you include a couple songs off that album in your set this year because it is a great, great listen. I really enjoyed the the record. I really love the song we heard, Every Generation. Of course, the title tra- track is great. Ready to Get Down was a good one. It, really good and yet kind of a different sound for Autograph. You still kind of had your foot in what Autograph used to be back in the day, but it was definitely uh, a different different sound would, would you agree on that yeah it um we're not using keyboards we decided to just go with uh, the two guitars you know the singer plays rhythm guitar and myself and uh it's uh, a bit more raw sounding and that's the way we wanted it we wanted it to be like more in your face and uh more current and i think that we succeeded in doing that yeah, absolutely. And again, it is a great record. We encourage everyone to to check it out. Get off your ass. And were you with a certain producer? Were you self-produced? Who did you work with on the album? It was self-produced. We produced it ourselves. Cool, because it has a, a real live feel. I mean, I don't know if that's just from you guys practicing, or did you get in a room and play it live? Like, how did the recording process actually work? Well, it actually was, we just... Um, laid down our part separately, um, but because we all lived in different places. I was living in Seattle at the time. Now I'm down in Florida. Um, but And Randy, uh, the bass player, was uh, living in Atlanta, so we were flying in to do our parts. And, uh, you know, so that's the way we had to do it. We rehearsed it live, you know, enough time so we knew exactly the way uh, that we wanted it to sound and the direction we wanted the uh, recording to go in. But... Um, you know, we just wanted more of that raw feel, and um, I think that came across on the record, and I'm really glad the way it, I'm really happy with the way it came out. Everybody is. Yeah, definitely. And again, 
I know, you know, at these festivals like M3, everyone wants to hear the old tunes, but I think it's really important that you get a couple of these new songs in the set list because people have got to hear them because they're really, really great, well-written songs, and I'm hoping to hear some live at M3. Yeah, we're actually playing, um, we're going to be playing four. Wow, awesome. Playing, of course, Get Off Your Ass, Every Generation. We're going to be playing um, a new one called uh, Meet Me Halfway. And uh, we're going to be playing You Are Us, We Are You. So there's going to be four songs in the set this year of the new material. Very good. I'm very excited for that. A lot of us became aware of Autograph with, uh, of course, the big hit single, Turn Up the Radio. And you guys, I remember, were touring with Van Halen, of course. But what was your history before that? What, you know, when did you first start playing guitar? What's some, can you give us kind of a little musical history on, uh, on yourself? Yeah, um, well, I started actually playing seriously in 1970, uh, the day that Jimi Hendrix died. Uh, I was playing bass before that. I started playing bass in 1967, but I really wanted to switch over to guitar. And when he died September 18th, 1970, that's when I switched over to uh, guitar. I actually took my bass in and traded it in on a Fender Stratocaster at this little uh, wow. store up in Seattle. And, um, and Jimmy was from Seattle, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was the other thing. I kind of looked at him like a neighbor, <laughs> even though I wasn't living there, you know, I kind of looked at him like a neighbor because he was a Seattle boy as well. And, uh, so I just immersed myself in playing. I played in several bands, uh, in Seattle, uh, actually a total of five bands before I left to move to, uh, Hollywood. My guitar teacher in Seattle was, uh, helping start a school called the Guitar Institute of Technology, down in Hollywood, and um, I was actually on the road when when he had moved down there, and I called up West Seattle Music to try to set up some more lessons for him because I was uh, coming back into town for a couple of weeks, and they said, well, he's not here; he's down at this uh, new school, the guitar, you know, school that he's opened up down in down in Hollywood. And I said, what guitar school? That's so cool, you know. And so I actually called up information and I got a hold of the school, the school. And the number was 213-462-1384. I wow. still memorized it. That's awesome. 1978, that was. Wow. And, uh, so I moved in there, and that changed my life. I, I just uh, immersed myself seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day of practicing for a year straight. And uh, that's where I developed my two-handed technique and all that. And I had been doing it before that, previous to that, from um, you know being inspired by... Harvey Mandel, and um, also a guy named Steve Buffington, who used to do it up in Seattle. And so he showed me some things I could do. And, and so I was into the, the two-handed stuff way back then, but um, I really got into it when I went to the Guitar Institute of Technology and saw the uh, instrumentalist uh, Emmett Chapman, who invented the sure. Chapman stick. When he did a clip that, and I just went hog wild on that. I just went, okay, this is it. This is... And so I wrote out everything I was learning, all the scales, all the you know, the pentatonics and the arpeggios and triads and everything. I, I put it all down on paper, but um, to play with two hands instead of one, I figured out where the scales were two hands with two hands, you know? And, and um, so I wrote all this and eventually at the end of the year, I had enough easily for a book and I did write a book and that got published right away. Wow. It became a bestseller. And um, then I played in a few bands after graduating from there. I was in a fusion band, a jazz rock thing, just an instrumental thing. Then I was playing in a group called Viva Beat on Verve Records. I was playing with um, 
uh, Holly Penfield on uh, Dreamland Records with Mickey Chin and Mike Chapman producing that. Okay, and, cool. Um, in fact, I was thinking that. Pardon me? Go ahead. No, 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 it's interesting. Was that more like a, a jazzy thing or was that rock? Like, what was that all about musically? Okay, well, the, the thing that I was in, uh, that, was, that was jazz rock stuff. That was all instrumental. Um, and it was called Just Fusion. That's what it was called. And um, then the, um, the, the Viva Beat group that I was playing with, that was more like new wave kind of stuff. It was just all really experimental stuff. So it was really cool, cool actually. Uh, because we did whatever we wanted to in it, and uh, it was very experimental, so that was awesome. And then I was playing with Holly Penfield, and that was more like a pop thing. I was just like helping write and and uh, you know playing in the band. Um, then we finished recording with her, and that's when we were all rehearsing uh, what became Autograph. We were just rehearsing at Victory Studios in North Hollywood, and um, Andy Johns, the producer. Uh, famous for you know uh, engineering you know bands like Led Zeppelin, John Lennon, and et cetera, et cetera, right. et cetera. The list goes on and on and on. He came down to the rehearsal and he heard some of our original songs that we were working on. And it was just a side project, you know. Um, but uh, we were really liking the way the stuff was coming out. So when he came down, we played it for him, and he said, "Hey, I got some free time down at Gower Studios in Hollywood. Let's go cut a demo." And so we did, and uh, it was a five-song demo. We just banged it out one day, all the recording, and mixed it the next day. And then um, uh, Kenny, the, our drummer, was jogging every morning at 8.30 with David Lee Roth up Sunset Boulevard. And, wow. Um, so they were this big health kick, and, and uh, David asked him, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? You know, and Kenny said, well, I'm playing in this group called The Coup on A&M Records. And, and uh, you know, and so, and Kenny said, you know, I've got this new project together. There's no name or anything. But uh, anyway, we're just rehearsing and cutting some songs. We just cut a demo. And so David wanted to hear it. And so they went back to his place after their jog and Kenny played it for him. And David loved it. And he said, Kenny, you guys want to come out and open us for us on the 1984 tour? And Kenny said, well, I'll, I'll see if everybody's available because at the time I was playing with Holly Penfield. He was playing with right. uh, the crew on A&M records. Um, and uh, Steve Plunkett was playing in a uh, group on Columbia records and uh, Randy Rand, our bass player, was playing with uh, Lita Ford. And so we, we thought, well, maybe we can go out for a few months, you know, because this is a great opportunity. I mean, we didn't have a name for the band or anything. We, just, we thought this would be a great opportunity to go out and, and, uh, and, and play some really cool shows. Um, and no record deal in place at this point, right? No, no, no record deal. We just went out and we thought, well, we'll go out with them for a few months. It ended up being a lot longer than that. And along the way, you know, we started getting these offers from, oh, God, uh, Geffen, um, A&M, uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, the list goes on and on, but we were getting offers thrown at us. And RCA offered us a deal we couldn't refuse. It was, you know, keeping 100% of the publishing, which is unheard of. And uh, so we actually signed a deal with them backstage at Madison Square Gardens in New York. Wow. And uh, then they, uh, shortly after that, they pulled us off the Van Halen tour and said, it's time to start cutting the album. And so we wrote some more songs and uh, went in and, and did it. And we actually... You know, at, at this point, of course, we had a name. You know, we, we chose the name. We drove from L.A. to Jacksonville, Florida to play the first gig with Van Halen. And we came up with the name autograph 
on the way there. We didn't have a name. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was just like we were just going by the seat of our pants. It was just absolutely crazy. But it seemed to work out. So, Absolutely. And, and man, what, what a story. That, that is great. But to kind of circle back a little bit, it's interesting because you were at the Guitar Institute of Technology when you were younger. And that was really like I remember hearing about that in the 80s. It kind of exploded. Um, but at that time when you were there, I think you said 78, what was the – like how many how many people were going there at that point? Was it a lot smaller than what it became later? I think it was a total of seventy when it started. Okay, out, but there was only like thirty that actually graduated. Yeah, because it was the school was brand new. They were still writing the curriculum. Right. While I was there. Wow. Wow. You know, and so um, yeah, I mean they didn't have a whole year's worth of curriculum. Yeah, and so they were still writing it while I was attending, and. Um, you know, I uh, I just I was just totally into it. Those it was all jazz teachers, but I took that jazz and I turned it into rock. And some of the jazz teachers didn't like it very well, but uh, I was just doing my own thing. You know, right on. But um, I'm, it was it was definitely a life changer. That was a really really great experience. One of the, one of the best things I've ever done for myself in my life. Awesome, awesome, cool. And you, of course, did the Van Halen tour. And I know last time you were on, we we spoke a lot about that actual tour. But I wanted to talk to you about some of the other big bands that you shared tours and shows with, and just uh, you know, just a couple of thoughts or, or memories of playing with these groups, if you don't mind. Let's uh, let's start with Ronnie James Dio. Oh, that was a that was great. Ronnie was such a nice guy. I mean, he just he just really catered to anything that we needed and everything, and and we hit it off really good with them. I mean, the audience really liked him. I know they, they were like more of a a heavy metal type band, but you know, playing live, we were pretty heavy too. So we were very well accepted on that tour. And a funny little uh, thing happened uh, on that tour <laughs> that I have to share this little story. Um, Absolutely, please. You know, God bless Buddy James Gill. You know, God bless Ronnie. But um, anyway, um, we, me and the keyboard player were walking backstage at this arena, and um, there was this door, a little short little door where they push all the chairs into from the arena. It was storage for the chairs. And backstage, there was just this tiny little door. And, I, and, and, and Steve, the keyboard player, asked me, he said, I, I wonder, do you know what that's for? And I said, oh, that's, that's Ronnie's door. You know, and, uh, <laughs> because it was just a short little door because he's a short guy. Right. And and Ron, I didn't know Ronnie was just a few steps behind us, and he started laughing. Oh, man. <laughs> that was really funny. That was really funny, Lynch. <laughs> and I went, oh, no, no, Ronnie, I'm so sorry. You know, but he says, no, 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 it's all good. That was really funny. Wow. So, uh, Could laugh at himself. That's great. Quite the, oh, yeah, yeah. No, he was like that, so... But that was really cool, and he bid us farewell after the tour and said he's going to miss us, but we had to pull out and, and go on another tour that we were committed to at the time, and I believe that was Aerosmith. Right. Well, that's another one I was going to ask you about. How, how were the Aerosmith guys? It was, it was really cool on that tour. They sounded great. Um, at that point, they had just gotten out of rehab, and so we weren't even allowed to have beer on our tour bus, let alone wow. backstage or anything. And, um, if we had to stay on a, you know, the other side of town from them because, you know, they, they had just gotten out of rehab and they had, uh, very strict st 
stipulations on on what we could have around, you know, and then there was no booze, no nothing, you know, it was just like completely, nope, these guys got his case straight, and uh, so and that's the way it was. And, but I got to know Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, and it was it was just really cool, you know, it's just a great tour, and, uh, you know, it turned out really, really well for us and them. Very cool. What about Motley Crue? You did some, was it a tour with them, or was it just some shows? Oh, no, it was a whole tour. A whole tour, there. right. How'd that go? You don't remember it? I don't remember it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that... I do. But it, I remember bits and pieces, but it was way over the top. I mean, put it this way, I stopped drinking for five years after that tour. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. <laughs> there was just... So I'm just going, I'm, I just can't do this anymore. No, no. no. So I just, I bailed out of... You know, that whole scene, basically, I still toured and everything, but I just didn't partake in anything at all after that point. But it was a gas. I can tell you that. It was so much fun. I would end up, you know, some of us would end up on their tour bus. Some of them would end up on our tour bus, you know, uh, because we're all going to the same place, obviously. So it didn't matter. But uh, it was just one heck of a party. I mean, it was the Theater of Pain tour, and it was a Theater of Pain, believe me. Yeah, I hear you. Wow. Great stuff, Steve. And, you know, Motley Crue have this uh, movie coming out on Netflix called The Dirt. I guess it comes out uh, in Mar- on March 22nd. And there's been some talk because in the trailer, it, it appears that they've kind of uh, the actors who are playing the band, they, their look is a little different. They've adjusted their look. They're not going to have the, the big, big hairspray hair hairdos that Motley Crue had. They're kind of maybe toning that down, maybe making it look a little different than it actually was. And I wanted to ask you, because you guys, you know, very musical band, had great songwriting, great playing, but you also were a visual band. You had an image, you, you, had, you had the hair, you had the clothes. When you look back on, on that, do you embrace it or do you kind of maybe shun it, which it seems maybe Motley Crue's doing that a little bit with the dirt. I'm, I'm speculating here with Motley Crue, but, but just for you personally, how do you look back on the band's image in the, uh, in the 1980s? Well, um, I think it was a, you know, I really think it was a little bit over the top. You know, the band had to talk me into, you know, growing my hair out and, and I mean, you know, having it curly like that. I didn't get a perm. That's actually my natural hair is being that curly and that big. You know, if I, if I were to let it grow out, I could, I could still wear that same too. But, um, you know, the clothes were a little bit too colorful for me. Um, but it was, you know, that was the, the sign of the times then. Um, but I was more of a, a 70s guy. I like just, you know, like the, the I like the bell-bottom pants back then. And, and um, I was just... Uh, more of a simple dresser on stage, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, went along with the whole thing, but I always thought it was just a little bit, uh, a little bit over the top, but it was fun. You know, right. like I say, it was fun. Right. It was fun. A lot of, a lot of color and everything. And, and, uh, um, even our image started to change. It started to get a little bit tougher towards the end of the eighties. Yes. Because it, uh, we toned the colors and everything. And, and, uh, that's where I liked it. I liked it more like that. I didn't like it to be quite so, over the top. Right. I hear you. Very good. Very good. And was on the website and I saw you guys have your own, your own signature coffee brand. Now is that with David Ellison's coffee company? Yes, it is. Uh-huh. Hi. Coffee com- company. And that, 
you know, through EMP label group and all that, uh, the label that we're on. And, uh, yeah, we got Get Off Your Ass Copy, you know, the perfect name for it because that's what copy does, makes you get off your ass. Right, right on. <laughs> Worked out very well. Cool. And, and so the, the album then, Get Off Your Ass, that came out on, on his label too? Yes, uh-huh, EMP, yeah. Oh, very cool. I didn't, yeah, I did not know that. And how did you get to know David? Yeah, yeah. Um, through um, um, this guy, this management, this manager that we were working with at the time, he was just kind of, um, you know, uh, co-managing him, co-managing us with the band. He was just making some connections as far as, um, uh, you know, getting the record deal together. That's really what he was doing. And uh, his name was Peter Kalish, and great guy. And he got us this record deal. Uh, then we signed through EMP Label Group. We also signed with SPB Records in Europe and Scandinavia. And then we signed with uh, King Records in Japan. So um, it was three different labels we actually signed all at the same time. And um, so so that's that. So these albums are available pretty much everywhere now. Yeah, and again, I really, really love the record. Get Off Your Ass, the autograph record that is probably, what, about a year and a half old at this point. Definitely worth checking out if you haven't heard it, guys. And I'm completely psyched to see you guys. You're saying four new songs at the M3 Festival. I, I love I love hearing that, and I'm going to love hearing them live. And uh, I guess to, to wrap up, where do you see uh, the band going from here? Um, I mean, the album is still rather new. I, I would think you're probably not working on new music yet, or are you? Not as of yet. We're tossing around some ideas, but um, we still look at it like, you know, this is uh, the, the Meet Me Halfway is the third single that we're releasing. The first one, obviously, was um, um, Get Off Your Ass, and then the second one was Every Generation, but Meet Me Halfway is the third one. And we look at it like there's still another um, single or two to release a video on. We're working on the video for Meet Me Halfway right now, actually. And that'll be released uh, probably in about two months. And um, Cool. So we're just, we're just touring and, um, you know, releasing uh, more stuff off of that album before we, uh, you know, go into the studio and start recording on the second album again. Okay, awesome. Great. And I look forward to connecting with you at M3. I was thinking maybe if you could, if you could reach out to Randy, I'd love to maybe do a sit-down in-person interview with him at M3. That wouldn't be a problem at all. Yeah, I'd love to talk with him. I'd like to talk to you about that. You can just call me up like uh, right before we get to M3 and, um, you know, text me whatever you want to do, and then I'll go ahead and, and set the interview up with Randy. Oh, that'd be great. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. And thanks for your time. I'm going to send you a link when we get this posted probably in about a week. Okay. That sounds great.
Get Off Your Ass by Autograph. That's from 2017. Big thanks to Steve Lynch for joining us. I'm sorry my microphone was messed up. It was like a little distorted. I don't know what happened. I've had some technical problems on this recent batch of interviews, various different things. Um, You know, I've been doing a lot of these on Adobe Pro and uh, I won't even, or not Adobe Pro, Adobe Audition. I won't even get into it. I'm not going to bore you with that shit. Anyways, I hate the monitor, the monitor um, function on Adobe Pro. It's it's not working for me. That's why, I don't know, I've been kind of going back and forth between that and GarageBand to put these things together. Uh, yeah, that's boring stuff. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about Doro. Not boring. <clears throat> I saw Doro with Warlock open up for Megadeth way back in the day and saw them down a couple of years ago at the uh, New Jersey Rock and Food Truck Festival or whatever the hell that thing was. It was a rainy, muddy weekend, but a lot of fun. And I'm psyched that there is a new tour for Doro. It sounds like she's going to get to some places she hasn't been in a while. And uh, yeah, let's talk to Doro about what's going on with Doro, which there's a lot of stuff going on. So stay tuned for that. But first, let's hear let's hear let's hear the song that uh, this is a great song. This is called Living Life to the Fullest off the Forever Warriors Forever United album that came out back in 2018, not that long ago. So here we go. Some new Doro here on Talking Metal, followed by my interview with Doro Pesh. Living on to a dream Living life full of ecstasy It's all that you need Living life to the fullest Living on Beverly Living on with integrity It's hard to be free I'm so grateful to have known you Living 
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast, and what an honor. On the line, we have Doro Pesh. How are you? Hey, very good, very good. Yeah, I'm getting all excited. We start our European tour next week and then heading over to the States and doing the tour with Metal Church. And yeah, I'm, I'm so, yeah, I'm totally excited. So, yeah. I, I am too, because this is going to be a great tour. Uh, two of my favorites, Doro and Metal Church together touring. I know you guys are coming through New Jersey on May 10th in yes. the uh, the famous Asbury Park, New Jersey. Last time I saw you play was was down in that area. It was like a, a rainy weekend, the, uh, the rock and food truck festival. Oh, Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember, with, I think, Twisted Sister they played. Yes. And yeah, yeah, it was a big festival. But yeah, the weather was so, oh God, it was so bad. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, we had fun, but it was so cold. I remember it was in October and open air in October is always, that's hardcore. But yes. the diehard fans that were there and they were cheering us on. And yeah, I think we all had a great time, but well, it was we, rough. Yeah. We definitely did. And, uh, you know, I can't you know, wait. May 10th, Asbury Park. New Jersey at the Asbury Lanes. Of course, this tour is just, it's a pretty big tour. You guys are going all over the country. You're starting in Las Vegas on April 17th. Um, yes. You will hit California. Then you're going to Arizona, Chicago, Illinois, uh, places like Racine, Wisconsin. Like you probably, I don't think you've played Wisconsin in quite some time. So this tour will take you to some places you haven't been in a while, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Last year we did um, a tour where we only played uh, the Triumph and Agony album, and there we played like yeah, Los Angeles, whiskey, and right. and New York, and all, and Chicago. But now you yeah, have more cities, and and actually towards the end of the year we want to even do some more, like because Texas we are not hitting now, but we will, and you know Cleveland and all that stuff. But but I'm very excited, especially with Metal Church. We are great friends for such a long time and you know and so i guess it will be especially something for diehard old school metal fans as well of course we both have the new records out which you know we will play the best songs of you know of these new records but but i will play everything from all oh, we are burning the witches everything you know whatever you know awesome metal heads you know like head banging and stage diving and yeah all that good stuff yeah cool and did was it you reaching out to the metal church guys or was there a promoter booker involved like how did a whole tour come about who set it up actually i tell you i heard about it quite a while now i think it, it's like 
floating around that idea for years. And now, you know, the promoter, he, he put it all together and we are like uh, the booker is TKO. And yeah, and then, you know, and suddenly we, we had a whole tour. And it, yeah, but I think it was, it was, yeah, a long time we were thinking about doing something together. So, yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. And you said you'll get all the classics, all the classics from Doro. But then again, you're going to you're going to hit some new material, I hope, because you had a great album yeah. out in 2018, yeah. Forever Warriors, yeah. Forever United. Yeah, the first double album ever, and there are 25 songs on it, and I love them all. And we will definitely play like all the highlights, of course, all for metal, which is like an anthem, like all we are. And uh, we played already a couple of gigs in, in Europe and all for metal was that was the song actually before we hit stage people were already singing it so that always made me feel good and awesome. yeah and then uh, stuff like bastardos that's a very fast heavy aggressive song we have some special effects on bastardos so and yeah and then you know probably blood sweat and rock and roll and yeah and then what about um, living life to the fullest you're gonna do that one? Oh, oh yeah we all we start and we end with this and we have oh, this cool. um, intro tape because that was actually the first song I wrote for this record and uh, in, in honor of Let Me Kill Mr. And yeah, we have been so great friends for so many years. And and this song, it just it just popped out melody and, and lyrics. And I was on my way to, to Lemmy's funeral and totally devastated, heartbroken. And suddenly this melody came into my mind and the lyrics, everything was there. And I thought, man, I got to record it right away. And I did. And then I thought, yeah, this album should start with Lemmy's song, Living Life to the Fullest, and end with a Motorhead song. And we covered uh, Lost in the Ozone. That's oh, like the nice. second... Oh, on the second disc, it's the last song before the bonus track. So, yeah, but yeah, we start and end with this with this song. But sometimes I tell you, it, it's almost too too sad to sing. So, right. so when it's an intro tape and an outro, that's like ah, oh, that you know, that's nice. But um, yeah, yeah, I think it will take me a little while to we really can do it live. It's, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair it's enough. Like, you know, and yeah. and when did you first meet Lemmy? Oh, in 1983 was my first time in England and I had to do a little showcase and my life was on the line like the whole band everybody was counting on me so I went to England and I had to do this showcase but not with my band it was some you know musicians and we did a couple of songs at soundcheck and I think it sounded all right I couldn't speak English at all it was like so early on so I had a little time to kill and then I went into a little pub and guess who was there? Lemmy. And <laughs> pub Lemmy, for sure, right? And he, yeah. And he had, you know, cigarettes and he had like whiskey cola. And then he said, hey, are you Doro of Warlock? And I said, yeah. I said, you Lemmy? He said, yeah. And then and we, we hugged each other. We liked each other right away. I mean, yeah, right away. And then he said, hey, Doro, have a little whiskey cola. So we were starting to talk and, you know, we had such a great time and I was drinking and drinking. And then Lemmy he said, hey, Doro, don't you have to do a showcase? Don't you have to do a gig? And I said, let me, oh God, I totally forgot. And hours later, so I went into this other club. I was so drunk. And then oh, people already were so mad because I came late and I hopped on stage and then the band started. And then at that moment, I thought, man, 
I don't even know the lyrics anymore. I don't know anything anymore. Oh, no. I was so wasted. And then I set myself on the drum riser. And, you know, I thought, okay, let the band play instrumental. And then I was waiting. And then 20 minutes later, they were done. And I went off stage and then everybody said okay girl you now ruined your life you know that you will never get a record deal you will never tour the world and I said yes I know but I'm best friends with Lemmy Kim of Motorhead and then I said what and then Lemmy was standing there you know and he had this big smile and, and I said yeah you know we just got to talk and I drank a little bit smoked cigarettes and I forgot forgot time and, and then they started all laughing and I said okay okay come on girl you get your your record deal so that's how i got my record wow. deal. And, and if it wouldn't have been for lenny you know i would have done whatever you know i would have worked in a factory my whole life but but it worked out so that was my first time i've seen in 83 84 And then we toured many, many times together and we uh, did many duets and the last duet was actually on our last record race of fist we sang this beautiful song it still hurts together and and the first two duets it was on the calling the wild album and yeah he, he was he was the best i i loved lemmy and i still do i i think of him every day and yeah the same like with ronnie james dio and right. um, these two people they were the most important to me in, in my life, you know? Yeah. yeah. Right on. So, yeah. Man, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. And you know, I, it's funny you mentioned the alcohol and drinking with Lemmy and partying. Um, it, Cause there's a song on the new record that I, I really like called metal is my alcohol, which yeah. has kind of a punky vibe to it, you know, <laughs> yeah, punk rock yeah. vibe almost. And <laughs> it made me wonder, do you still, do you still like to drink a little? Do you still drink alcohol or do you just need the metal? Mark, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's a medalist to me. That is my drug. That is my alcohol. I don't need anything else. I need the fans and metal. And yeah, I don't, I don't drink much at all because I always drive everybody home. So the band, okay. the road crew, everybody, they can always count on me. I, you know, I stay sober. I drive everybody home or wherever they want to go. And uh, and I always drove Lemmy around uh, while I was driving the car. I didn't drink at all. And, and usually when I hop on stage, I rather focus on the fans and focus on the music and um, yeah I, I, I don't drink much at all so yeah well I love that <laughs> too that's a great song too. metal is my alcohol it it's is, great song yeah no, it's fun no? it gives you good energy and yeah 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 very cool and you know it's been almost 30 years since that self-titled Doro record that came out which is just mind-boggling to me an album that I, I loved and looking back on that you know everyone always says oh well you worked with Gene Simmons on that which you did but the other one of the other co-producers on the record was a guy named Tommy Thayer, who, of course, now is in Kiss and went on to do a lot of great things. What was it like working with Tommy on that that album almost 30 years ago? Any memories yeah, you can share of him? Yes, actually, um, I remember he came to my hotel room in L.A. and he was so organized and I thought, wow, you know, he's like, you know, he immediately we sat down and talked about some ideas and, you know, he's 
super reliable, which, you know, is sometimes great. Like sometimes musicians, they, you know, they love to party and all. Right. But he was very, very, you know, and he took it serious. And I liked it so much. And then I said, hey, Tommy, you know, I like this kind of, you know, song or this solo. And he was, you know, you could totally rely on him. And that was awesome. And so I can imagine that Gene liked him so much because, you know, you can really count on, on him. You know, you will never have to fear that he will not show up or something so so he was really cool and he used to be in the band black and blue and yes. he was a fine guitar player and you know like very um you know and and if i would tell him hey can you play that again he was like you know he 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 remembered everything so you know he was he was definitely awesome he was great and then together the combination with gene and, and tommy it was awesome because sometimes i was a big kiss fan growing up and to me you know sometimes when you meet like you know your idol it's like a little bit like you know i got nervous and right. you know i remember my knees were shaking when i walked into the studio and then a couple of songs I had to go full out you know and scream and stuff and then when Gene was there I thought maybe I'm holding back so you know so sometimes I felt you know it's more comfortable to sing with Tommy because Tommy you know he you know he was not as intimidating to me as Gene was so you know so we had a great great um, work relationship you know great friendship and Gene he was awesome man he was awesome in the studio he really cared and you know there was one example one song it was mirage which gene simmons wrote and you know we were mixing it and i thought man the mix is not coming out so great and then he said dory you know what don't get nervous go into your hotel room and you know let me see and then next morning like eight or seven o'clock somebody called me from the reception <laughs> And I said, hey, there was a gentleman here and there's a cassette or a debt. Um, and I said, okay, I will go and get it. And then I put it into, I think that doesn't exist anymore, but you know, it was a better way of a cassette. Right, so right. I put it into my little player and I tell you, the mix came out so great. And I thought, wow. And I thought, man, Gene was sitting there all night till seven o'clock in the morning, you know, doing this fantastic mix so i tell you i owe him a lot and yeah and being a big fan you know it was a little bit overwhelming but it was great i had the time of my life and um, yeah it was it was awesome we just met uh, in the czech republic and there was a, a great festival it's called masses of rock and then it was the Gene Simmons band. And I said, hey, you want to sing a song together, Gene, with us? And then we did War Machine. And, you know, oh, and awesome. it came out great. And, yeah, so it was it was so cool. And yeah, yeah, I know they are now on tour. I haven't seen the show yet. But yeah, but yeah, I'm... I'm still a big Kiss fan. And awesome. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Any, any, I knew it would be one of a lifetime, that record, you know. It was one year of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A dream did, come true. <laughs> did you ever think back when you were doing that record, did you ever think, wow, I wonder if Tommy will ever end up in Kiss? Was that ever a thought that entered your mind or not? No, I didn't. No, I I didn't think that. No. No, uh, I, you couldn't foresee that. No, no. But um, I, I saw that. Gene and Tommy, they got along really great. They were great friends and yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't expect that. No. <laughs> Dora, what was your first concert? What was your first live music experience just as, as a fan going to see somebody perform? Yes. 
Yeah, I was. <clears throat> I had my first band uh, when I was 15, and the name of the band was Snake Bite. And we were all big White Snake fans. And then we went to see this live concert, my first live concert of a rock metal band. And it was White Snake. And I tell you, I was blown away. It was wow. so awesome. And David Coverdale, he was such a god, like singing, performing, the whole vibe. It was a legendary lineup and it was in 1980 and it inspired me so much. And yeah, and then because it was my first concert I've seen, which was so intense, so amazing, I wanted to cover a song of Whitesnake. And on the new album, it's uh, Don't Break My Heart Again. So right. so I did it. And yeah, and I, yeah, it was it was spectacular. And and I tell you, boy, man, I didn't. It took a long time that I till I seen a concert like the quality and you know like it was state of the art and I think the next concert was like Judas Priest and except a couple of years later and yeah but but after a Whitesnake concert I thought every concert is like that but no it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> right on and where in Germany did you grow up in um I grew up in a truck. My dad, he was a truck driver. Oh, okay. And uh, our apartment, it was in Düsseldorf, Germany. But I grew up like in, it was like a lot of steel and coal mines and stuff. And it was around Düsseldorf, but yeah, it's the Rhine area. But I always wanted to go to America my whole life. And then in 1986, I had a little promotion tour. It was on our True Steel record. Three days, I went to New York. And I thought, I'm going to stay. And then after two days, you know, I called my family, my friends. I said, hey, I'm, I will stay. I will stay in America. And I said, yeah, you're crazy. You're crazy. And I said, no, no, I'm serious. And then I stayed and, and I, got, I got lucky. I ran into so many great people. And we recorded the Triumph and Agony album in New York City in the Power Station studios. And there was a great friend of mine, Joey Bannon. He was the producer. And many great people played on this record. Cozy Powell, he played drums on it. And, oh, and awesome people. So, so yeah. And then I found a way to stay. And then I got my green card a couple of years later. So, yeah. So, so I grew That's up awesome. in... Yeah, in Germany, but my heart was always, yeah, in America. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I remember the first time I saw you was opening for Megadeth at a, yeah. at a theater in Boston, and you guys were so good, Warlock, that yeah, night. Just really good. rocked oh. it. That was a great... Oh, uh, introduction to uh, to Doro. So yeah. Um, and yeah, then you will see my old guitar player from the Triumph and Agony tour, um, and uh, from the Triumph and Agony record, Tommy Bowen. He will be with us on tour, oh, on awesome. this metal church tour. Yeah, because the two guitar players I have here, one boy is Italian, Luca Pinchotta, and a Dutch girl Bas Mars, and they will not be on this America tour because. Um, we didn't get the work visas in time uh, okay. or with the shutdown and stuff. So it takes at least three, four months. So so Tommy Bowen is playing and Chris Carefree. And wow, great. Chris, yeah. he did a couple of tours with us. So so it will be lots of soloing and shredding and high energy. And then Johnny D on drums and Nick Douglas on bass. Um, yeah, the guys are with me for yeah almost 
Yeah, 28 years. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's years, awesome. Yeah. And the tour is going to be just awesome. Again, I'm not sure if I'm going to hit yeah. Asbury Park, which is on May 10th, or there's a New York show at the Highland Ballroom, which is a, a club I like a lot. That's on May oh, 7th. Oh, Mark, it, it changed because the Highline Ballroom is no more. Oh, no, uh, did it? Okay. Of, okay. Yes. And yeah, so we, we changed to uh, Brooklyn. Oh, cool. And it's the same uh, date, but we're playing in, in Brooklyn now. And oh, yeah, okay. yeah, I played so many gigs in Highland Ballroom. But yeah, I guess the same people who were running BB Kings, which I loved so much. Yeah. Club. And uh, yeah, it's no more. When it got announced, Highland Ballroom, then the same week uh, they said, yeah, it's uh, it's no more. So yeah, so, right so it okay. will be Brooklyn. Brooklyn works for me too, yeah. Yeah, Brooklyn awesome. was my very first show in the States ever. It was Lamour's Brooklyn. In, oh, cool. uh, in 87 back in the day so so Brooklyn was always cool too and yeah 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 you got the whiskey a go-go on April 19th you're yes. at Reggie's yes. in Chicago pretty famous yes. club uh, on May yeah. 2nd and again mm-hmm. Wisconsin on the 3rd you get you're all over Flint Michigan on the 4th the guys we'll have the tour dates up on talking rock.net and talkingmetal.com and we cannot wait to see this tour it is going to be just explosive great stuff oh man I cannot wait to and you know seeing all the diehard metalheads again all the diehard fans and you know yeah and together with Metal Church I think it will be a great package already it will be so good about it yeah very good so I hope we can come say hi to you at one of the the dates yeah yes yes come and have a beer and since you know now I don't drink much but the little after a good show yeah, yeah. right on right yeah. on well best of luck with the rehearsals and again we cannot wait for this American tour with Metal Church starting in April it is going to be awesome and uh, what a pleasure thank you for sharing the stories with us thank you for having me it was awesome talking to you and John and I want to say hi to all the great metal people keep on rocking stay metal and see you very soon guys and girls absolutely thank you have a good day thank you you too bye thank bye. you bye 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 we are we are we
little warlock here on Talking Metal. That is all we are featuring the great Doro Pesh on vocals. I would think you're going to hear that in concert if you go to this uh, tour that she is out doing with Metal Church. I cannot wait for it. It's uh, coming soon, guys. And she called me back after the interview to let me know that, again, that New York date has been changed and it's not at at the Highland Ballroom. Apparently they've gone out of, out of business, which I can't even keep, keep up to date with the uh, changing face of uh, rock clubs in New York. They just seem to be going under like flies. Uh, it's crazy. But anyways, the Doro metal church show has been moved over to Brooklyn to a club that I'm hearing a lot about. I haven't been out there yet. Kingsland, the Kingsland club in Brooklyn. Let me pull it up right now on the interweb. Uh, yeah. Kingsland. Here we go. Kingsland. It is. Well, I can't find an actual website for the Kingsland. Uh, let's see here. Um, but yeah, I mean, their tickets are on sale. Am I spelling it wrong? I don't know. That's weird. I don't know why I don't see a website. But here's a here's a, the Kingsland Brooklyn. Here's a Twitter account. Let's go there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kingslandbk.com is the website. This connection is not private. And for some reason, it's blocked on my computer. I don't know don't know why that's really bizarre people used to say that would happen with talking metal but we fixed it um so anyways the kingsland brooklyn uh club is where the doro metal church show is happening and i wish i had a date for that and the date of that show is may 7th a tuesday night in brooklyn that might be better than the asbury park show for me i'm not sure i gotta figure that out i want to see this tour i'm planning to see this tour and uh, it's a Doro metal church and images of Eden. We're going to hear a little music by them later on in the show. So stay tuned for that. Uh, thanks to all the Patreon people. Really appreciate you guys supporting us. Really, every one of you. And we have the Talking Metal hoodies for sale. Please purchase those. They're 60 bucks. I know that's a little much, but please consider purchasing a hoodie and supporting what we do. You can hit up my PayPal. Uh, just go to TalkingRock.net and you'll, you can find the PayPal in the support section on TalkingRock.net or TalkingMetal.com. Yeah, constant updates on, on my site, which again is TalkingRock.net. Please check it out and uh, show your support. Use our Amazon links to link you over to Amazon where you can go about your shopping as you normally would. And what else? Um, there's T-shirts, of course, for sale, too. They're 20 bucks. Or you can just give me a PayPal donation. I would really appreciate that. Anything you can do to help me try, attempt <laughs> to monetize what I do here. And yeah, it's been fun. I'm glad I got you this bonus content here on this Friday of this week. We hope to hit you with another new episode on Tuesday. I aim to get the Talking Metal podcast posted at least every Tuesday. Just think Talking Metal Tuesdays. At the end of the day on Tuesday, if you refresh your your iTunes feed or wherever you get the podcast, Spotify or whatever, there should usually be a new one waiting for you by the end of the day on Tuesday. Talking Metal Tuesdays. Sometimes I get them up on Monday. Sometimes uh, I'm slagging and don't get them up until Wednesday. But they're almost always there for you on Tuesday. And yeah, that's about it, man. I, I love you guys. I appreciate all your support. And we're going to end with this band that is on tour with Doro 
and Metal Church are about to go on tour with them. They are called Images of Eden and let's see, their lead guitar player Byron sent me over a track. So yeah, this is cool, man. This is a good good deal for them. They're going to be out with uh, two great bands, Doro and Metal Church, on this tour. So check out uh, Images of Eden opening the the night for Doro and Metal Church. And we're going to hear one of their songs right now. This is called Harvest Day. It's going to take us out. It's going to end the podcast. And we're going to thank you guys for listening. We're going to see you at M3 with Autograph. I cannot wait. Uh, in early May down at the uh, Columbia, Maryland post weather pavilion, Merryweather, right? Merryweather. What did I, okay. The Merryweather post uh, pavilion. What the, what is it called again? Merryweather post pavilion. Yeah, that's what it's called. And it's going to be just such a great time. Warrant, Vince Neal, Vixen, Vane, Torah, Torah, who we just had on the podcast their new record's good by the rose by the way skid row steven adler playing some guns and roses frankie benelli playing some quiet riot la guns kicks kingdom come heaven's edge so many more firehouse extreme danger danger it's going to be epic of course white snake and bang tango and last but not least, Autograph. I cannot wait to see Autograph. And they, uh, when I said last but not least, they're not playing last. They're, uh, well, just go to M3. What is the website? Just go to M3RockFest.com and you can see the lineup and everything. I think Autograph plays Saturday, um, Saturday, you know, in the late afternoon, I think, I think, but. Yeah, we'll see. Can't wait to see you guys down there. White Snake is playing on that Saturday, too. It's going to be epic. Cannot wait. And to take us out, here is Images of Eden. Again, they're opening the Doro Metal Church tour for uh, over 30 dates this April and May. So definitely go see them in Brooklyn at the King's Land. We'll have the tour dates all posted on the website, which is Talking Metal com or talkingrock.net we'll see you next time join me on patreon for more behind the scenes action all right thanks this is images of eden in the self-made prison i'm dying